Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. My guest today is a marketing manager who works in the field of biotechnology. She is in her final days of her first pregnancy and as someone who honors both science and a natural preventative lifestyle, she's planning an intervention-free hospital birth. Kelly Kilmartin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my goodness. First of all, it's late at night and pregnant people are usually asleep. Thank you for being here. And then also like, how far are you into your pregnancy? I'm almost 38 weeks as of Wednesday. I'll be 38 weeks. So you're in the zone. I'm in the zone. That they call term. Sleep is no longer happening. So we don't have to think about me being up. Oh, great. Then we'll just uh, (laughs) podcast all night. Yes. Your background actually has a lot to do with your birth plan. So let's start at the beginning. Where are you from originally? I'm from Rhode Island. What was it like growing up in Rhode Island? I maybe know one other person from Rhode Island. (laughs) I loved it. It was beautiful, beautiful summers. You get all four seasons, which I love. And I actually miss very much being out here in California. It's kind of one of those places where everybody will say, oh, you're from Rhode Island. Do you know so-and-so? Because everybody thinks of it as being so small. Oh. Um, you know, it's not really how it goes, but usually just a couple of degrees of separation. <laughs> Wait, is that where all the credit card companies are, or are they in Delaware? Uh, they're not in Rhode Island. Okay, that. they must be in Delaware. Not much industry. I'll be like, there. hey, do you know Discover? <laughs> okay. So you grew up over there, and uh, what did you study? I actually went to school for human development and family studies at UConn, and then I got a master's in counseling and really wanted to kind of pursue mental health as my career. And I did start doing that and had a a few great years in that industry. It's just a little bit difficult to kind of get where you want without going through the very, very difficult, very low paying jobs. So in, in my, order to get hours or in order to get hours and work in up order the letter, kind of get the experience because I was working towards licensure and that was sort of my goal. I was seeing a therapist and I wanted to be just like her and kind of help mm. people get to a space of really enjoying their lives and living in the healthiest way possible. But, you know, as I was doing that, I was also nannying for a family to make ends meet and, the father of the family I was nannying for happened to be working at a biotech company that was hiring people with counseling backgrounds. And oh, wow. Yeah, it was for cystic fibrosis patients. So they wanted people with counseling experience to help patients with access and staying on therapy and things like that. So that was sort of my transition into the field. Never really expected it to take off, but it kind of gave me wings and taught me a new side of business. And, you know, it was a quite the learning experience switching from the mental health field to biotech field. I'm not a scientist at all. (laughs) So it was, you know, it was right. Well, I mean, a lot of people work for Google that are not computer coders. Totally. (laughs) Everybody's an important part of the team. And if people don't have access to the medication, it doesn't matter that they made a great one. Right. Yeah, true. And being science adjacent is something that I really enjoy. You know, I'm not a scientific brain, but I like being close to it, but not needing to know it all. (laughs) So that was my way of doing so. And did that make you 
ever look back and say, maybe I will finish where I was headed with counseling? Yeah, so when I took that role, I dropped out of my licensure program and moved to Boston. So it was kind of a big decision to make, but it felt like the right one at the time. And I never looked back. I really, really loved my job that I took in Boston. It kind of got me on my own feet and had me living on my own finally for the first time. And I really enjoyed the work and the people I worked with and working with patients. You know, it gave me the best of both worlds. So only recently have I looked back and said, I kind of miss the counseling aspect of things. So I try to put that in in different ways, too. I see. How did you end up in California? A job moved me out here. In the industry? In the industry, yes. And by the way, we mean biotech, not the (laughs) Hollywood industry. Not the Hollywood industry. Very different (laughs) job that was working with a new cancer therapy and immunotherapy moved me out to California. And, you know, I had wanted to live in California for a really long time and tried to make it work when I was doing mental health, actually. And looked for jobs all the time, but it just didn't work out. And then, of course, as soon as I was really settled and super happy with my life in Boston, I had a knock on the door (laughs) (laughs) and they wanted to move me to California. And that was one of those decisions that I think for the first time in my life, I didn't really consult with too many people on it. And I just kind of made the decision myself really quickly. I had to kind of agree to interview and then move out all within a month. Wow. And how long ago was that? That was almost five years ago. It'll be five years in May that I moved out. Well, welcome to Southern California. (laughs) Yeah. Do you miss the seasons that you love so much? I Uh, miss the seasons. I miss snow. Everybody always says when there's snow back east, oh, you must be so happy you're here. And I'm like, actually, I'd kind of rather be experiencing the snow there's something really peaceful and quiet and comforting about a snowstorm that i miss but you can drive from here to snow in like 40 minutes that's the thing that's why we're so lucky here because we have access to it but we have this beautiful sunshiny weather most of the time so yeah yeah it's a good mix yeah especially raising kids i think Mm -hmm. it's kids like to be outdoors and not zipped up in 18 layers of snowsuit yeah. All right. So then you uh, you met this guy. I did. How did you meet? <laughs> we actually met on a dating app. Mm. And yeah. I was, had you been using the dating app for a while? I had been on it since I moved out. Oh. Um, and how long after that did you meet him? It was about six months later. Oh, wow. So, okay. And he was actually the first person I actually went out with because I found that most people just kind of wanted to chat and text and never really ask me out so (laughs) um I was doing it more you know to meet people I was new and I didn't really know what I was looking for I had been single for so long that I was so used to that so when Jeff and I met it was sort of like neither of us knew what we wanted out of it but we were enjoying each other's company he was fresh out of a long relationship and I was just new and you were long out of a fresh relationship. (laughs) (laughs) So we kind of dated for a while. And I think after about nine months of dating and coming back to each other, we said, maybe this is something that's going to (laughs) last. So we decided that it was. And I think it really became real for us when 
the pandemic hit and Mm -hmm. you know i think at that time relationships could go either way you either realize you really don't want to be with that person that you're stuck in quarantine with or the opposite and you realize you have something really special and that's sort of how it went for us we had a lot more time together we went on walks every morning and every evening with our dog and were you um, working from home i began working from home and that's kind of what pushed us in that direction because I didn't have the commute anymore and we just had a lot more time together and you know he credits that and says you know it really just made me see that you were the person I wanted to spend my life with and it pushed us along further quickly in our relationship because of that so it was special for us you know people look back on these quarantine days as being sort of negative but for us it was really positive we ended up getting engaged in April 2020 It was shocking to me. I didn't know it was coming. We had never talked about it. I wasn't like pushing for it at all. You know, I kind of felt like maybe that would happen, but I didn't know if he was thinking about it, any of it. So, wow. Okay. First of all, that is literally (laughs) in the initial spike of the COVID pandemic. I mean, we're still not quite sure how this virus works. Testing is hard to come by. There's no vaccine. Mm -hmm. People are just getting sick and dying, and we're, we're having like no treatments for it, no therapeutics. Yeah. Um. So you guys decide to get engaged. Is there a unique pandemic engagement approach? <laughs> well, we were supposed to be in Hawaii. Actually, we had a trip planned with some of our close friends, and he was planning to do it there. And of course, we had to cancel our trip. So he ended up doing it here on the beach, which actually felt a lot more special to me because it's a beach that is part of our community and it's just a special place for us because it's where we've developed a lot of our relationships. So I think it ended up being a lot more special here than it could have been anywhere else, you know? And we celebrated on the beach with veggie dogs and a bonfire. and It was really, really nice. It was actually such a windy day. And he was saying like, we had plans to make a fire And then we had plans to make a dinner and he kept trying to come up with all these special things. And I had no clue it was happening, but looking back, I should have pieced it together because there were so many funny things happening. (laughs) We like ran into a friend who was going down to like hide to take pictures of us. And (laughs) he was so awkward. And then we got down there and it was so windy. And I'm thinking like, maybe we shouldn't be building a fire on the beach in this wind. And he would usually be like, okay, this isn't happening. You know, let's go up. This is not a good idea. (laughs) Like, I'm done with this. I'm not going to try anymore. But he was so determined to get this fire going. And then, you know, it turns out he had a reason for that. (laughs) Uh, Sounds (laughs) like you said yes. (laughs) I said yes. And we had, like, a couple family members that were watching from afar when it happened. Like uh, Zoom watching? No, watching. In person, but okay. (laughs) From the top of the cliff. And then... They ran down and it was like that weird time where you didn't know if you could hug people. (laughs) So everybody's like, hi, uh, I'm so excited for you, but I can't hug you. So it was one of those. Air high five from six feet away. (laughs) Yeah. We want to have champagne, but, you know, it was just a little bit awkward. How do you get married in that part of the pandemic, too? So we started planning. And, of course, at that time, we didn't know how long this was going to last. People were saying a couple more months. You don't know. And. I was like, maybe we choose April of next year to get married. And we started planning this big wedding where 
I could have all my family from back east come out and all my friends and they could see my life here. And then I just started feeling like that wasn't the right thing to do. And we didn't have any answers. And I sort of never really wanted a big wedding. I didn't even feel like I needed, I wanted long-term commitment, but I didn't feel like a wedding is what committed you to somebody. So my true feelings started coming through because I started getting really anxious about planning this big wedding. And I said to Jeff one night at dinner, maybe we should just call this off and do it alone. (laughs) And that ended up being what we did. We had our families kind of send us things to be a part of our day from afar. And we ended up eloping alone. Not totally alone. Not totally alone. We had our dog Wrigley as our ring bearer. And then we (laughs) had an officiant and a photographer and we had somebody cook us like a special dinner. We did it at this beautiful ranch in Malibu that our friends own. And it was the most beautiful day. I'm actually looking at a picture of it right now. I wouldn't want it any other way. As much as I wanted our families to be there, we were able to look in each other's eyes and smile and laugh all day long. And, you know, I get nervous in front of crowds of people. I would have never been able to say my vows the way I did with just him and I. So it was a very, very special day. Beautiful. It sounds like this virus really worked out well for you. Yeah. (laughs) So I've had now an engagement, a marriage, conception, and probably, well, definitely. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Two more weeks, all within this pandemic. So it hasn't been so bad for me. (laughs) All right. We're going to get into pregnancy next segment. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Kelly. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new omega-3 soft gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Kelly Kilmartin. Okay, so pandemic comes along. You're working in biotech. You find a guy in a dating app. You get engaged in an uh, awkward but beautiful engagement ceremony. You get married with Wrigley the dog. And how soon after that, pregnancy? So I would say it was about almost a year later that I ended up getting pregnant. Okay. Was it a conscious decision? It was a conscious decision. We tried for about nine months. Oh, wow. Yeah. So after the intimate eloping wedding, you were just ready to go. Jeff definitely was. I kept saying, you know, maybe we should wait a little while. There's still a lot we can do. But, you know, we planned for all of that to be traveling around and it was not the time for travel. So, you know, we kind of were thinking what better time to start trying because 
there's nothing really holding us back now. We're committed to each other. And Jeff was feeling so ready to be a dad. And everybody around us, our friends and family members, were having babies. So it just felt right, you know. I never knew if that time would come for me. There were times in my life where I didn't even know if I wanted to have kids. I love children and I've worked with children and I just didn't know if I wanted that for myself. I was in that kind of selfish phase of life and, you know, finding my partner and really settling down made me realize I really did want that. And especially being with a partner that was really, really ready to be a dad. So we decided to start trying, but, you know, I thought it would come quickly and easily like a lot of people in my life. And I'm very lucky that it did happen for me, but it wasn't as soon as I thought it would be. You know, the nine months become stressful sometimes when you make that decision, you're ready, you're ready right away. And then yeah, you waited the better part of a year. Yeah. You know, it's hard to plan anything. And with it being the pandemic too, I was afraid of traveling to see my family for the holidays and things like that. I was thinking, you know, what if I get pregnant and then I'm not going to want to travel pregnant because of the pandemic and there were a lot of decisions that kind of got put on hold because we had made the decision to try and have a family. And yeah, it did get stressful when it doesn't happen. And you look at the test every month or, you know, you're trying, it can be discouraging and you start wondering like, is there something I need to do? Am I doing something wrong? Should I, you know, and of course sex becomes less sexy (laughs) and you're just kind of, you know, it's like, it's today, let's do it. (laughs) And it was a strange time and I didn't know what to attribute it to, but. If it's not too much information, were you having regular cycles? Yeah, always, my whole life. I was regular, I felt very healthy. There was nothing medically that I thought could have happened. I think right before I got pregnant though, I was gonna start going to get tested and things like that. and. Actually, the month I got pregnant, I had talked to the doctor about coming in to do just regular testing to make sure I was in good standing to become pregnant, I guess. And that happened to be the month that I got pregnant. (laughs) But I had started acupuncture. I changed my diet to be like on an anti-inflammatory diet, cut out a lot of things. So I was doing a lot of things to make myself healthier. I changed my job to a much less stressful role. And I think that had a lot to do with it. I had a lot of stress when we first started trying. So who knows what actually did it? I think it was just, I never really got nervous that it wasn't going to happen for us. I kind of thought, you know, it'll happen when the timing is right for the baby. And I kept trying to think that in my brain, like this soul will come to me when it's ready. It's tough though. It's a tough yeah tough to convince your brain of that in that moment yeah, it is. Um, how did you find out that you were pregnant so we finally i think june rolled around and we had just planned a honeymoon to costa rica for july and i said to jeff why don't we skip trying this month so we can go enjoy our honeymoon and not be stressed about trying and we can enjoy and then we'll come back and we'll jump back in and of course, that's when I got pregnant, when we decided not to try. Not to try? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you must have not tried too hard not to try. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it wasn't, you know, the planning and timing and all of that. But 
it happened to be on Father's Day. My mom had flown in the day before and she was here for a week long visit and her and I were going down to the beach and I sort of felt a little bit funny. My boobs were really sore, but I was also just thinking I was expecting my period and I hadn't been trying. So I didn't think anything of it. I went to the beach with my mom for the day and we came back and I fell asleep on the couch, which is not something that I do during the day. I actually hate napping. That's changed a bit now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I never napped and, you know, I was sort of like, that was weird that I napped and I was just feeling a little bit off. So actually Jeff and my mom had both been napping too. So we all kind of fell asleep. It was like a Sunday afternoon, Father's Day. And I went and took a shower to just kind of wake myself up while they were still napping. And I was like, I'm just going to take a test just to make sure. Because I was taking my mom to wineries and doing all kinds of things (laughs) that week. I was like, I should just find out if you need to know. Um, So I took a pregnancy test. I peed on the stick and then I got right in the shower and I left it on the counter. And I was in the shower and I remember like clearing the glass and looking out at it. It already said pregnant. Oh, and it was wow. one of those ones that said pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> so no it's guessing. Not like reading the line. Right. And I was just shaking in the shower and I jumped <sighs> out. I like had to finish getting the soap off of me. <laughs> jumped <laughs> out of the shower. And I had gotten a book for Jeff that said it was like a funny parody book called The Dad Manual for whenever it did happen. Cause it showed up for me on my Instagram feed because it was around Father's Day. So it was just one of those ads that popped up and I was like, oh, I'll get this for whenever it does happen. And it had showed up like three days before this. And I got out of the shower and I decided I'd put that in a bag with the pregnancy test. And I called Jeff into the bedroom because my mom was here. So I needed to kind of do it secretly to tell him first. And so I called him in and he opened the bag and he was sort of like just waking up from a nap. I remember I have a video of him. He was like so out of it and opening this bag. And he was like, why'd you get me a Father's Day gift? And I was like, you know, from the dogs. It's the dog and the cat. And he was like, okay. And he's like opening it. And he pulls out the dad manual book. And then he pulls out the pregnancy test. And he kind of like looks at me and he's like, are you serious? And I was like, I'm serious. I'm shaking. <laughs> and we're both like whispering, like wanting to scream. In, in the room. Your mom's right there. And so, of course, we were both like in tears, like so excited. And then I have to go out and face my mom. I'm like, I got to tell her. I can't just like not tell her, you know? And, you know, we were in that. I was sort of like, didn't know how to approach telling people in the beginning. I didn't feel comfortable talking about it and telling people, even close family. I was like, I want to wait. I want to make sure it's real. (laughs) But with my mom being here, and of course, I want to tell my mom everything. So I did the same thing to her. Her birthday was coming. So I just put the test. You got her the dad (laughs) name? No, I put the test in a bag for her. And we did the same thing. We wow, you got a, m- a lot of mileage out of that test. Yeah, we did it. What did you do with it for Christmas? We did it for <laughs> Jeff's mom, too. For her oh, mom. you did? Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. So okay. They all got a test. <laughs> made the rounds. How's your pregnancy been? It's been pretty good, I would say. Minor symptoms throughout that have all been sort of surprising, I would say. What kind? 
You never know what your body's going to do. Um, early on, I think around eight weeks, I started getting a strange dermatitis around my eyes. And I went to a dermatologist for it. And he was kind of like, I can't really treat you while you're pregnant. It's just one of those things that's hormonal and it'll probably go away after you're not pregnant anymore. And it's traveled around my whole face since then moved from one eye to the other and now down around my nose and around my mouth. So that's well, at a least weird one. nobody can see most of it because we're still in yeah. the pandemic. You're masked totally. up. If I'm out, it's covered by a mask and usually I'm just home. So it's no big deal. And the other, I would say my worst symptom, but the biggest blessing was some very early low back pain that was like in my sacrum or SI joint that happened, I would say starting around nine weeks and then just progressively got worse for about five weeks. And as I talked to people about it, you know, I was kind of hobbling around on walks in my neighborhood and I'd run into people. And I think every time I told somebody that I had back pain, they said, you have to go to Dr. Berlin. <laughs> so it ended up being the biggest blessing that I had that back pain because it led me to you. Oh. And I would say that you've been the biggest blessing in my pregnancy. So I feel like the universe did me a favor because you're <laughs> awesome to work with. And I'm, I'm so glad that the work that we do is helpful for you and the conversations that we have are helpful for you. Mm-hmm. Did you have thoughts going into the pregnancy about pregnancy and about birth? And how did they change along the way? Yeah. So I guess I never really had thoughts about the pregnancy because as it progressed and I was faced with different things or decisions, I really didn't know what I felt or kind of, it's been such a learning experience for me to kind of feel my way through pregnancy. I've seen so many people in my life be pregnant and have babies, but I never really got intimate with them about the experience that they were having and how they were making decisions and things like that. But for me, you know, from practitioners to dealing with anything that came up throughout the pregnancy, as far as symptoms or needing to have whatever proper care I thought I needed. It's been such a learning experience. I didn't know that I wanted a natural birth. I've always leaned towards natural practices. Like what? Uh, Like just eating in a more holistic, natural way. I became vegetarian a long time ago for different reasons. And, you know, I always practiced yoga and a lot of different practices, Ayurveda and things that I wanted to incorporate into my lifestyle that I liked their philosophies, but also how they made me feel. And, you know, people kind of looked to me as being kind of more holistic and asked me questions about that. I studied counseling. So a lot of like the mental wellness stuff, I always went towards a more holistic way than medicated way yeah but then Um, you work for a drug company I do (laughs) so that's kind of the dichotomy of my life it's that science versus holistic and being able to balance it I grew up in a family where both of my parents are nurses and my dad and stepmom are both anesthetists and 
My mom was a nurse, just retired for many, many years. And I sat at the dinner table and listened to those scientific medical conversations. And then at the same time, I was always teaching myself these holistic ways of living that were more preventative care than reactive care. And being in biotech has kind of been a funny thing for me because of that, where, you know, I believe in science, but it doesn't always resonate with me. So I have to kind of find that middle ground for myself and really look for practices outside of just my work to make me feel fulfilled. Yeah. Um, yeah. You sound like a very healthy respect for both. Yeah. And I always felt like, cause I was, I had a down a path of medicine to practice medicine Yeah. and it wasn't until we had like a sort of a bad medical mix up that really made me take a step back from drugs and surgery as the primary form of healthcare. I think mm -hmm. they're extremely important and okay. grateful to have them grateful for the people who spend like literally a decade perfecting, learning the techniques and things okay. like that. Yeah. But it's not a good primary form of healthcare. Like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I think my opinion, a lot better to eat well and exercise to keep your blood pressure down than to take medication to keep your blood pressure down. Okay. If that fails, or you're not able to stick with it and your blood pressure is creeping up, then if you don't have something to bring your blood pressure down, you're going to do too much damage to your vessels and you'll have major consequences medically. So yeah. I think it's a great form of healthcare, just not a great primary form of healthcare. Okay. In fact, I think it's more of a great form of disease care. When mm -hmm. you're starting to show signs of disease, that's when you want to get into, if you're not able to do it mm -hmm. um, with the natural practices. Anyway, that's just me and my soapbox. You have a plan <laughs> for your birth and I want to know what it is. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Kelly. She's 38 weeks pregnant-ish mm -hmm. and uh, about to have her first kid. You now have a pretty good vision of the birth that you're planning. Yes. And it was a bit of an evolution, it sounds like. Uh, we were just talking about you sort of trying to balance in, in life in general, you know, the more holistic lifestyle with an appreciation for medicine and doctors and interventions. Mm -hmm. um, how did that form into a plan for you for birth? Yeah, so I sort of went into the birth, like I said, without a plan. I had been seeing an OB just for birth control and regular checkups that I thought was great. He was, you know, I connected with him. He was funny and we had a good connection. And I went to him for my first few visits and I sort of started feeling like not everything was aligned. Maybe he was too scientific or too Western, I guess you could say. But I don't know if it ended up really being that or just, you know, wanting a bit more time wise than the Western medicine model allows for with OB care sometimes. So I first tried to switch to a different OB to see if maybe it just wasn't the best match for me with that one person. Um, so I switched to a new OB and went to visit with her and sort of left feeling the same way. That's kind of a feeling of that's not exactly what I thought that appointment would be like, or I, was, I don't feel like I got enough out of that that you know, I was hoping for, and I don't even know what I was really looking for, but I remember coming to you and you were sort of like, well, they're doing your care properly. 
And maybe you're just looking for a different model of care. And that's when you and I talked about possible midwifery care. And I was like, I always thought about that, but I do want to have a hospital birth. And you were like, but you could do both. (laughs) So that sort of opened my eyes to this world that I hadn't really thought about yet. And I was introduced to the midwives that I have now been with since a little after my 20 week appointment. Um, I switched to the midwifery model. I'm working with LA midwives, Naomi and Lilith. They're amazing. And they, and they deliver at home, they deliver at birth centers, they deliver at the hospitals, you have yeah. some choices, and of course you can labor at home under their care as well, even right. if you're planning to deliver at the hospital, so it's a unique option here. Right, and it's exactly what I think fits into what my husband and I wanted for this birth. We live pretty far from the closest hospital, and it just feels like the right option for us is a hospital birth for our first child. And, you know, I do dream about a home birth now and again, but I think for this first round, we want to try hospital birth, but having the option for midwifery care and going to a hospital is just that, the best of both worlds, the science and the holistic kind of coming together. It it really speaks to me. So It's the Kelly model. It's the Kelly model. Yeah. And we feel very comfortable now. I get exactly what I'm looking for from the midwife appointments. They're so hands-on. It's like, I guess I was sort of looking more for a warm hug, you know, than I was Mm -hmm. able to get from the OB care that I had before. So I... And that does boil down into a totally different model. Yeah. Medicine is not the warm huggy type. Yeah, exactly. Midwifery is the warm huggy type. Right. And they have been so supportive and they do, you know, a home visit where they see you and your space and kind of what the baby will be living in and there's so much more to it that you know you get the postpartum care with them and they look at it as more of a holistic non-medical experience and that's exactly how I want to feel that you know I have the backup of being in a medical facility but I don't want it to feel like a medical experience so I just say throughout this entire episode how I think it's just very cool that you start doing something and then you have these, it sounds like conversations with yourself mm-hmm. about what about this is fulfilling the needs that I have and what isn't and where should I turn the wheel a little bit to change mm-hmm. course. And then you make that decision and you turn the wheel and change course. And it's very cool. I'm a little jealous of it because... <laughs> I hardly ever talk to myself. And I think sometimes almost like your engagement, the signs are there. I'm just not putting them together. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I go way past <laughs> my exit <laughs> and have to, you know, go really circuitous in the route to get back to where I want to be. So I yeah. love listening to you. And I, I'm probably going to listen to this one. I know some just meditating before I go to sleep because I want to pick up that skill from you, that quality from you. It's uh, amazing. It's definitely Um, a new skill for me, you know, and I credit the baby because I'm making decisions for more than just me now. And, you know, I went through a couple of experiences during the pregnancy where you can ask a million people for an answer or some help with a decision, but really it comes down to trusting your gut. I remember it was time for me to get the vaccine booster and 
here I am at this crossroads of science and holistic. And I could not make the decision to save my life. I was like, I don't know what (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't intended to be, but I couldn't figure out if I wanted to take that step while I was pregnant. And I asked every practitioner that I saw and talked to, and everybody was kind of like, there's good things about either way and there's you know the unknown about doing it and I inevitably ended up I waited a long time and didn't make the decision right away but then one day I decided I was going to do it and with tears in my eyes lots of tears went to the the office and talked to the sweetest man who gave me the shot and talked to me through all my fears and my apprehension about it and he was like an angel that day, just telling me he had just gone through it and his partner just had a child too. And they went through the same feelings and now he's very happy that she did it. And looking back, I think I'm very happy that I've now done it too, but yeah. it was one of those decisions. Like you have to follow your gut. And I never had that muscle before, like you're saying until I was pregnant and I, you know, it's been, not only a learning experience, but a growth experience. And I just imagine yes. that motherhood will intensify that. Probably so. <laughs> I mean, but that's a great example because you have two camps there that are diametrically opposed in thought. You know, one saying you've got to get this vaccine or you're going to be in great danger and your baby's going to be in great danger and your neighbors are going to be in great danger because you didn't get it or you didn't get the booster. And then this other camp that's like that is not tested and it's probably dangerous and people are getting sick and symptoms. from Why would you want to give that to your baby? And truthfully, the science is not quite there yet to prove one way or the other. I think only history will tell us. Yeah. And so the great news is with vaccines in general, I find this, you know, at this point in the pandemic, especially, you're probably not at great risk if you don't get the vaccine, unless you have pre-existing conditions or, you know, chronic issues or your age is working against you. And then you're also probably not at much risk getting the vaccine and seemingly even during pregnancy, but we don't know. So go with your gut is I'm like, go with your gut. Yeah. The doctor inside you is much more wise than all of us combined. Yeah. All right. Two more questions for you. Number one, are there things about the birth itself that you're either excited or anxious (laughs) about? Yes. To both. Obviously now we're in this waiting game where it could happen any day. I'm excited to kind of go through this experience and, you know, I know it's going to be very, very intense, but I feel because I've grown so much throughout the pregnancy and I've, I've <laughs> yes, built <you> this. <laughs> yes, I have. Loaded with Not the just jokes the today. 50 <laughs> but also just, you know, being able to put myself in a situation I've never been in and cross this threshold into motherhood. You know, I feel like I will be born on the day my baby's born into this new me, you know, a a mother and a caretaker. And I'm very excited for that. But also, of course, anxious about all of the unknowns, when it's going to happen, what it's going to feel like. I know it doesn't feel good. (laughs) Um, So that's scary. And then I have a baby to take care of for its life. And that's overwhelming too, but it's also very exciting. And I think both Jeff and I are very ready and I'm excited to see him as a father and 
I'm excited to see us both go through the labor and delivery experience together. I feel like it'll make us closer. And we studied hypnobirthing with Nina Philan, who I loved so much. And she gave us so many, the two of us, I think we both grew so much just from taking that class, even if I don't remember all of the little bits and pieces of how to bring it forth. I think we both are looking forward to kind of testing the techniques and really trying to have a natural birth, but I'm also open to anything that needs to be done. Oh, you segued into my last question. So (laughs) um, you're on this kind of fence between natural and hospital. Yeah. Um, You said you're open, but are you open and comfortable with one of two things happening either let's say you're laboring at a hotel very near your hospital mm-hmm. uh, only because you live far away or if you're laboring at home and things just pick up real quick and your midwife's there and you know birth becomes imminent will mm-hmm. you be freaked out by that or okay just switching gears and using your same midwife but delivering at home and obviously mm-hmm. the other side of that coin if you're in the hospital and things become what feels like too intense for you or something comes up that's a pink flag or more and they're recommending interventions are you prepared and ready for that i think my answer to both of those questions is whatever is going to be best for this baby and to keep this baby safe I'm so practical. <laughs> yeah right now when my brain <laughs> is functioning um i don't know how i'll be during labor but i think we both want the safety i guess of the hospital but if the safety happens to be at home then that's fine with me you know i would be very open to it as long as i feel safe and i feel like the baby will be safe but of course our plan is to be at a hospital and if there are interventions introduced to me, I want it to be only because of the safety of the baby. So I've asked, you know, I've written birth preferences and I've asked my care team to really just try and stick to this natural way of birth unless there's something. Well, that leads me to a obvious <laughs> question. Like, uh, what if you feel like labor is overwhelming you physically, emotionally, and then they sometimes say, hey getting a little pain relief or a little sleep or something like that could be helpful for you. Yeah. Would you consider that for the safety of the baby or would you be resistant to that? I think I might be a bit resistant, but it's really hard to say how I'll be in the moment because I've never felt through this before. Jeff and I were just talking the other day about how will he know if I'm really serious, like that I need medicine if all of a sudden I'm saying it and he knows for so long my plan has been not to. You don't Um, have a code word? We need to think of one, I think. We haven't done that yet. But that's like the one part of the plan that we hadn't really thought of until about last week when we were in a birth class. And so I'm thinking I, I am open to whatever may come up during the labor and delivery. And I'm just going to leave it at that because I think if I put too much pressure on myself, that it has to be this natural birth. And I don't say to myself, whatever happens will be okay, then it's more overwhelming to think about 
Sure. I mean, for what it's worth, your hospital is the one that has the walking epidural. You like have other options between yeah. besides like total numb and total active feeling and participating. And then also for what it's worth, I think that Penny Simkin talks about this idea of the difference between pain and suffering. Pain is ouch and suffering is a negative emotional response to ouch. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes even though you're on the more holistic lifestyle side of things, when you're feeling negative emotional response to ouch there's things you can do to try to to Mm. mitigate that naturally but at some point if they're not working it's hard to it takes strength to be able to say i don't want to suffer in my childbirth and Mm -hmm. um, if that's your plan to go unmedicated it takes strength i think to stand up and say i want the epidural now yeah it does and you know i try and think of i wanted it when my wife was giving birth just for me. You wanted it? <laughs> yeah, because it looked intense and I was like uncomfortable. This is why, I don't know, most men can't have babies because there'd be like three people in the world. Yeah, right. they're like my husband. All right, Kelly, you're amazing for sharing. Where can we find you online? You can find me on Instagram as Kelkilla. <laughs> Kelkilla? Yeah, it's my first and last name. Oh. Uh, well, it's a play on it. K-E-L-K-I-L-L-A. Okay. K-E-L-K-I-L-L-A. And uh, we'll be able to probably follow your story long beyond the podcast on Instagram. Okay. And we're going to see you in the very near future <laughs> to find out the rest. Hopefully of very near future. Story. I'm sending you beautiful, positive birth vibes. I know it's going to be amazing no matter how it goes. Thank you. Uh, and I'm leaving my ringer on. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, we're on that Instagram too, at Dr. Berlin. D-O-C-T-O-R-B-E-R-L-I-N. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a 